0: Hey everyone, welcome to episode three of the Strait of Texas podcast presented by Whataburger alongside Hannah Wing, Jared Sandler with you and uh, really excited for our show today. Pat Green is our featured guest and before that we're going to hear from Micah Parsons.
2: It is a star-studded episode, Jared. I'm so excited to chat with both of them. Let's have some fun.
0: Alright, so it's impossible not to have fun when you've got Pat Green and Micah Parsons a part of the conversation. I know uh, you had some fun with Micah Parsons Uh, right before a Rangers game. We're going to share that conversation. Uh, May 17th, this is uh, right around lunchtime. The Rangers are coming off a win to begin their three-game series against the Angels. Uh, So exciting things for the Rangers. They've won back-to-back games, and... Uh, now we've got back-to-back great guests here in Episode 3.
2: We absolutely do. And so let's talk about the Rangers, Jared. Today, obviously, like you just said, is May 17th. The Rangers played the Red Sox over the weekend, and Martin Perez allowed one run, had two walks, and struck out seven and six innings for his second straight win. What have you seen from Martin so far this season?
0: Well, I'll go with a physical thing and an intangible mental sort of thing. So, one, physically... Uh, one of the things Martín Pérez struggled with really throughout his career, you know, when he was with the Rangers and then with the, the Twins and the Red Sox, was as a left-handed pitcher, he really struggled against right-handed hitters. And there are more right-handed hitters in a lineup than left-handed hitters typically. Obviously, certain teams can maybe skew that a little bit. But when Martín Pérez was on the mound, teams would make sure to throw as many righties in there as possible. And in his career numbers against righties and his numbers specific to last year against righties equally... Uh, lackluster Uh, and so that was always a challenge for him and he has been outstanding against righties this year as a matter of fact in his outing against the Red Sox righties were two for 17 against him and that's kind of on par with the level of success he's had this season and you look at well why you know is it is it just small sample is it luck well all samples right now are small We're, we're right around a sixth of the way through the season so you can't get around that but uh, you know, generally speaking, it's been around 100 plate appearances, Martin Perez versus right-handed hitters, and that's that's large enough to at least start to draw things. And you ask yourself, why? Well, the why is the changeup in the cutter. So a lot of lefties use a changeup to neutralize righties. It is a pitch that righties will throw to lefties, and lefties will throw to righties. Some pitchers will throw their change-up, same side, and by that I mean a right-handed pitcher to a right-handed hitter, a left-handed pitcher to a left-handed hitter, but that pitch is, is most often utilized uh, when a pitcher has what is called a platoon disadvantage, when a left-handed hitter is facing them as a righty, or if it's Martin Perez, a lefty facing righties, and that pitch has been outstanding, as has a cutter and uh a cutter was a pitch he learned and started to throw right when he left the Rangers when he got to the Twins they taught him the cutter he's refined that pitch it's been very successful for him and those two pitches the changeup and the cutter have allowed him to have great success against righties then the off the field the intangible that the, the mental side of things martine has been really open about how he's grown up uh, when he left the Rangers again spent time with the Twins then the Red Sox he he uh, matured. I think he took on a, a role of leadership as a veteran pitcher with those two teams. And you know, he, he's mentioned two things. One, he's learned to not allow bad luck or things that have gone against him within a start to really just eat at him and result in uh one misstep snowballing into three or four. And that was one of the knocks on Martin in his first go around with the Rangers was he'd look great through three innings, then maybe There'd be an error behind him or he wouldn't like a call from a home plate umpire in that fourth inning or it would like it was a bloop hit that you know as a pitcher thinking man I'm so unlucky and it would snowball. He seems to have gone past that. The other thing is when he was here he was a big time prospect and I think he was always chasing that especially after he had Tommy John surgery when he clearly just wasn't the same guy not that he couldn't be good but he was physically different and no matter what he did, it was always measured up against the, the weight and expectations of being a big-time prospect. When he left, when he went to Minnesota and then again in Boston, they didn't have that context at the front of their mind. He was just Martin Perez. He was a veteran pitcher, and he's come back, and, and I think that's who he is now. I, I think that uh, you know, he's 31 years old, so he's no longer thought of as a prospect. He's no longer chasing that dangling carrot, and I think it's given him a sense of freedom that he can just go and be him, and he doesn't have to try and be someone uh, whom he was projected to be based on rankings and potential and stuff like that.
2: In your opinion, what is Ben Martin's most impressive start this season?
0: Ooh, that's a good question. I mean, when he went toe-to-toe with Justin Verlander uh, against the Astros here in Arlington, just because he, he carried a, a no-hitter past the fifth, and you know, even though the Rangers didn't come out on the right side of that, I think that was really impressive. I think it's always... Tougher, whether a pitcher will admit it or not, when they're going up against someone like a Justin Verlander. But honestly, his start on Sunday, you think about the fact the Rangers were trying to avoid a sweep. Uh, that's added pressure on a pitcher that, you know, he didn't necessarily sign up for, but it's still there, a part of their job to to help make make that the case. The Rangers offensively had been struggling in the, the games leading up, and they did kind of break out to some degree, uh, starting with the Adolis Garcia three-run home run that, that gave the Rangers a 4-1 lead in that game. But uh, I think there's something to be said about that, you know, when a team, you know, has lost the first two in a series against a, a really impressive offensive group in the Red Sox. And uh, so one of those two, um, I, I guess I'd lean, maybe recency bias, I'd lean that start against the Red Sox just because of how, I, I hate to say important. It's it's one game out of one sixty two, but maybe just the added significance of avoiding getting swept at home.
2: I know we talked last week about having a small sample. Obviously it's very early on in the season. Martin's doing a lot of things right. Do you think he'll be able to maintain this consistency for the entire season?
0: Well, I hope so. And and you know, understand that he's pitching at like a Cy Young level right now. And I don't know if at the end of the year we're gonna look at him and say, Hey, you know, let, let's get this guy some votes for, for the American League Cy Young, but you know, the Rangers signed him to be a depth piece in their rotation. Uh, someone who, let's say, he got pushed out of the rotation because young pitchers were pitching so well, and and you know the eyes were on the future. He'd be willing to go to the bullpen. Yet here he is, and he's been this team's best pitcher. And uh, not only has he been incredibly impactful on the mound, but you talk to his teammates in the clubhouse as a as a veteran. Uh, source of wisdom Uh, and I think it helps that he is a Latin American speaking you know a Spanish speaking Latin American player because I think that it it allows him to connect to some of the Latin American players you know I think it's it's important to have multiple leaders who fill multiple buckets and uh, and so I think in that regard he's provided great value I'd be lying to you if I like I always like battle with this I try not to allow like the first month of the season So totally like sway opinions. It's a great point. It really is. (laughs) No, but but, but I'd be lying to you if I said that I hadn't thought about, wait a second, you know, has this guy found something? And the reality is the Rangers uh, in recent years have made habit of this with Lance Lynn, who came here and turned into one of the best pitchers in the American League. Mike Miner's best years as a major league pitcher were with the Rangers. Kyle Gibson made his first all-star team. Uh, as a member of the Texas Rangers and and had a career year. And, you know, Martin Perez is different because the Rangers had their hands on him previously, but it was a different regime. It was a different, uh, not just a different staff at the major league level, but just philosophically, there were a lot of things that were were approached differently then compared to now. And so I've allowed myself to think, hey, what if Martin Perez is this year's version of those guys? And, uh, you know, even if he's 80% of that, that's a... you know, a really, really valuable member of this team.
2: Well, I'm very excited to see what Martin can do the rest of this season. But, Jared, let's talk about the Rangers' defense. What is standing out to you right now?
0: Well, the, the infield's got to grow a little bit defensively, and, and you think about it, uh, other than Nathaniel Lowe, new faces, right? So Andy Banez is playing a little bit at third. Uh Charlie Colberson is, is, is playing as well, and they were around. But the middle infield, and, and that's your anchor, you know, the two new faces, Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager. Not only uh, you know, is it, does it impact just the defense as a whole, but you know, their chemistry with one another. Um, but what really stands out to me is this outfield. And you know, on a given night when both Eli White and Adolis Garcia are in the lineup, and, and as we're having this conversation, Eli White – has led off the last few games, and is kind of, for now at least, uh, an everyday player in this lineup. So he and Adolis are often in the lineup together. You've got two center fielders, and we always talk about how you build teams up the middle. Uh, Catcher, pitcher, you know, shortstop center field. And shortstops can play other positions, Uh, so if you have two of them, hey, one can play second, Marcus Simeon. Uh, you have two center fielders, chances are they're going to be successful elsewhere in the outfield. And usually center fielders are able to cover a lot of ground. So if you have two of them, that just increases the amount of ground you can cover. And so with Eli White in left and Adolis Garcia in center and now Cole Calhoun in right, who's won a gold glove and is very good defensively, you know, the Rangers outfield defense is is among the best in Major League Baseball. And, you know, I think that's that's always important, Uh, you know, the infield probably gets more action, but an infielder prevents, and, and, and there are exceptions here, but a lot of times it's base hit or not, single uh, or not. Outfielders take away extra base hits. Uh, infielders can do that, you know, especially at the corners, but uh, more often than not, outfielders are in positions to take away extra base hits, and especially in this outfield, which is big, it plays big, it uh, you know, having guys like Eli White and Adolis Garcia who can cover a lot of ground because of their athleticism. Cole Calhoun is not necessarily the athlete that those guys are, but he is so proficient at getting a great jump and taking a perfect route that it, it allows his speed to play up even more. All three of them have really good arms. And so, you know, the Rangers compared to the rest of baseball, I'd be curious as this outfield trio settles in. Uh, how they measure up because those are three really, really talented outfielders.
2: I want to share something about Eli White too. And obviously this doesn't impact the final score, how he plays, but just as a person, he's always just been so kind. I'm a member of the best buddies program in North Texas. And we actually had some of our buddies out to batting practice last week. And Eli was just so crucial in that moment, making it so special for the kids. And he helped rally John King, Garrett Richards, even Taylor Hearn came by. And so I just want to speak more to the character of these guys on and off the field. And they're just really, really great people as well.
0: Well, thank you for what you do with Best Buddies. Uh, I've seen you at at a Texas Legends game. Yes, absolutely. It's
2: amazing. It's such a great program. And it was really awesome being able to share that special moment with some of our players as well.
0: Well, I can't think of many better people to uh, be a part of that program just with your spirit and whatnot. Thank you. uh I, I think that stuff's really neat, and it it, it matters. Um, you know, Eli White, uh, you're right, such a great guy. And I don't want to discount what he did by saying it costs nothing and it is so easy for them, uh, but it kind of is, right? But it makes the world a difference totally. for, for these kids, whether it's a part of the Best Buddies program. I remember – La, uh, not last year's like two three years ago maybe four years ago uh, time is you know it's all relative but ronald guzman took a kid at spring training and, and guzzy you know no longer with the rangers but uh took a kid at spring training and played catch with them you know brought him onto the field and, and for five minutes played catch catcher exactly catch with them. every year at spring training i now see that kid and his father and if you know they weren't like locked in committed rangers fans before they they certainly were after that moment and and they also will always follow Ronald Guzman. And so, you know, when athletes, whether it's in baseball or any other sport, just I don't even want to say go the extra mile. Go the extra few steps to spend a few seconds, a few minutes with, with people. Uh, it really it, it goes a long way, and I'm, I'm really happy to hear you share that, that Eli and those guys did that because uh, they maybe forget about it within a week, uh, a couple of days but those kids probably aren't going to forget about it for a long time, and, and that's what matters.
2: It was just so heartwarming. I walked down the field with a group of buddies, and you know, Garrett was standing there, and Eli, and John, and a bunch of guys, and they were just holding Rangers hats, and excited to sign autographs, and take pictures, and just spend some time with them out of their busy schedules, and so I guess what I'm trying to say is after a cool moment like that last week with Best Buddies, that there are a bunch of new Rangers fans that might not even have known about baseball before, so it was a really special moment, and You know, thank you to those guys for making it so special for them.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Now, do you have a new best buddy? Because I understand we're about to hear a conversation you had with uh, Cowboys All-Pro defensive player Micah Parsons I see what you did there. That was a
2: great transition, Jared. Micah, thank you so much for joining me. You just threw out the first pitch at a Texas Rangers game. Why did you want to throw out a first pitch?
1: Uh, It's just exciting because it's my first time at an MLB game or even at a, like, you know, a game to throw a pitch at all, so for me it was just an honor and like a blessing.
2: How did you prepare for such a fun moment?
1: <laughs> I loosened my arm up, you know, I, I watched some film and I was prepared for the moment.
2: Like you just mentioned, this is your very first MLB game and also your first time visiting Globe Life Field. What are your thoughts on the Rangers ballpark?
1: Oh, I think it's sick. This place is amazing. Uh, it's definitely a game, place I would love to come back to.
2: Well, football season will be here before we know it. What is the main aspect of your game you're focusing on heading into this year?
1: Uh, Probably my pass rush, man. I'm just trying to become more dynamic in a passing game and try to find ways to get to the quarterback.
2: You're heading into your second year with the Cowboys. What are you most excited about?
1: Uh, I'm just excited about just getting back on the field and trying to win a championship.
0: That's what it's all about. How about that? Micah Parsons getting on the mound. I I feel so like cool. physically so cool. He could probably hit some home runs. If you oh, put absolutely! A bat in his hand. Like,
2: I get him in the batting cages. I want to see what he can do. <laughs> I
0: remember Jamie Ben Ben Bishop and I forget who the third star was. They they went to the old ballpark a few years ago and Jamie. I remember ben, that. Yeah, Jamie Ben had this reputation. He was a big baseball fan. Grew up as a really good baseball player in British Columbia, and he took some swings and. Tell you what, if you closed your eyes, I don't know that you would have known that he was a, an NHL player. I think you could have thought, hey, this guy, who's this prospect? A two-sport in the athlete. Yeah, love you know, it. would love to see Micah doing the same thing. Now, uh, I know our next guest is a huge baseball fan. I don't know what he's like with a bat in his hands. I do know what he's like with a mic in his hands. Yes, but, he's uh, a very
2: talented country singer. We have Pat Green coming up, talking with Jared and I after a word from our partners.
0: Meet Whataburger's new Southern Bacon Double Burger, here for a limited time in participating locations. All right, we're joined right now by country music star and a big-time Texas Rangers fan, Pat Green. Pat, thanks so much for being with us.
3: I prefer a three-time Grammy loser. Three. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure we'll times. dive into that in a bit. Three times, yeah. Every time I lost. But the, the yeah, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it.
0: The bad voting. We probably need a Yeah,
3: I just didn't grease the pad enough. I mean,
0: <laughs> <laughs> Pat, you are a big part of Texas Rangers baseball, and we're going to get into that specifically here in a bit. But just generally speaking how Why baseball the rangers right. how would you explain your fandom
3: lifelong fan uh my dad was a big rangers fan like we, we went to the ballpark that was out by six flags a lot when we'd come up from waco to go to games and it was, it was the steve bichelle's kind of era and we'd sit out in the bleachers because you know we didn't have a lot and we just had a blast man it didn't you know just eating dogs and watching dad scream at people <laughs> and um yeah uh that that's where it all kind of started um I guess it never really stopped. I mean, I was a baseball player through high school. Um, I, I was pretty, I mean, I thought I was good, but I wasn't that good. And um, I wasn't good enough to keep playing. Position? Uh, I was catcher. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Um, and that's Ed Nipper was my coach, who the only reason why Ed, I bring that up is because he was Raleigh Fingers. Uh, coach as well so he's kind of you know for for texas he was one of the he was one of the cool coaches so anyway um he when he looked at me and i was kind of a roly-poly round mound kind of guy and he looked at me and goes you're going to make a great target
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> so from that point on i was in the i was in the squad so
2: what do you remember most about coming to rangers games as a kid
3: I I remember the smells, you know, because back, you know, you're not, you haven't really experienced anything, and that is a completely unique. Um, I, you know, it's just sensory overload. That, you know, your your eyes is a big, giant green field, and thank God I don't have to mow it. And you can smell it, <laughs> and you know, it's just the you know it's the briny water that they cook the dogs in, and the mustard. You know, it's just all that stuff kind of goes in at once. You know, and so the, yeah, just the sensory overload is the is the that's the ticket. That's what you're selling.
2: Who are your favorite players to watch when you were growing up?
3: Well, Nolan Ryan. Uh, I mean without a doubt the day I finally shook his hand was a wonderful day um but like when was said, that do you, I mean do you remember uh oh let me let me think let me search back I, he he, I, he had me down to Alvin Texas to his house to play a, a few songs wow. for his friends um so I was probably in my late late 20 mid late 20s and, um, and yeah, you know, he's just sitting there and he talks the way he talks. I'm not going to try to impersonate him, be awful. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so going out to his place and knowing that he was, he sat on the tractor that's sitting over there, you know, he's not this guy that just has a guy, you know, he's out there working and, um, and you know, he signed a baseball for me and um, yeah, that was a great. A great, great memory. And I got to meet him several times after that at baseball games. And I saw him at the World Series and so forth and so on. So, yeah, it was – um you know, we weren't, we're not friends by any stretch. But uh, I sure do like that you know, when I shake his hand, he knows who I am. <laughs>
0: That's pretty neat. Well, I'm curious, who else – Have you performed for either like a a special show or you realize they were in the audience? You're like, oh gosh, like I, oh, right.
3: George Bush was a big one for me. Um, uh, I I did a few shows during his inauguration and um, back in the the day, right? And um, so when anytime he was around, I was always (laughs) kind of a little, but then he hired me to do a couple of shows for his charity. And we did get to know each other, and so now it's like, I, it's, hey, Mr. President, whenever we're down in the bunker, and uh, Neil Levens, a dear, dear friend of mine, and me and my wife and um, and our family, and so, um, yeah, every, every, you know, every now and then we'll get down there when the president's is down there, and I get to, you know, that's when I'm really rubbing elbows, you know. <laughs> I feel like eh, I'm a fish out of water, but I'm happy with it.
0: Yeah, talk shop with him. You know, I, I
3: could, you know, my stepdad ran for Congress the same time he ran for Congress and uh, back in the late 70s and so we talk about how they both lost and, <laughs> <laughs> and how, how he ended up you know carrying on to be you know the big guy but um anyway yeah so we, we have we have stuff to talk about but it's not you know after about 20 minutes you're like okay i'm gonna go in here, <laughs> I'm, gonna cool go out here. Your, yeah. I'm out of my depth there
0: <laughs> uh pat so you mentioned going to games at the old park Yeah. uh Arlington Stadium as well? Absolutely. Okay, so I was a season Stadium. ticket
3: holder. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, uh, uh, or you mean the ballpark? Or, no, no,
0: no. So Arlington Stadium, then, then Globe Life Park. Uh, uh, yes. You've been oh, um,
3: Yeah. I still can't call it anything but the ballpark. The ballpark. I, yeah. know, I know. Anyway, yeah. I, my, my brother and I were season tickets there for years. And uh, our, our seats were directly behind home plate. But way up right where the first bit of shade comes, do you know what I'm yep. saying? Yeah. yeah, For a fat like guy 20, like 2025, right? I, yeah. I got to have at least an eight degree, you know, break from the direct sunlight. So we sat there all the time and had a bunch of laughs, and um, uh, and then we were we had our season tickets for Globe Life Two, and um, man, it just didn't. It was COVID year. That we, you know, right when when it all started, And we were right behind, uh, uh, right behind our dugout. First baseline, at the end of the dugout. We had a second row right there. It was perfect. You know, it's just like this is going to be great, and then it didn't materialize. And then my brother was like, "I'm not doing this anymore." So <laughs> like, okay, but you still go to games though. Oh my gosh, yeah. I've been. To, I think I've been to six so far this year. Oh, so doing pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. A friend, Casey Donahue, uh, country singer, had uh, had his. Forty fifth birthday up here, and he'd rented out the party suite, and so it was like me. It was the like, it was the best, it, like if you had knocked out that suite country music, Texas country music would have been over like Randy Rogers and Josh (laughs) Abbott. And, you know, it it, it was just the cavalcade of these, you know, people like me. There's no
0: designated survivor. It was just, no, I think Josh Abbott would would have probably made it out of there (laughs) somehow.
3: But um, anyway, uh, yeah, it was a great time. And um, uh, so, you know, memories like that are it, for the, with the Rangers and we won so i got to hear my song so you know it was and then i so i got to thumb my nose at those guys cuz none of them have a song to play the when and i'm like
2: Did you hear this? Year, Did you
3: hear this? Right? Exactly. Right?
0: So okay so all right you you bring it up uh, let's let's get to that you Rangers fans may or may not realize it when uh the Rangers win they hear Pat Green. Yes, as they should. Yes. How <laughs> And, and I think about, like, for me specifically, and Hannah, I don't know if there's, like, a moment where you associate hearing the song, but uh, the 2010 ALCS, <laughs> once, yeah, once they, you know, there's, like, a, I think one of the videos that's easy to access on YouTube, you got the Strike 3 call, and then they show, like, a shot from... Like a drone or whatever, the fireworks shooting up, yeah. from the, and then I remember it well. And you can, you know, I see Michael Young throwing his glove up, and and then you hear Pat Green. I, I'm getting chills I, thinking I about that. i right now. So, so tell us about the song, and then how it came to be that that this was going to be the song the Rangers played after they won.
3: Man, to call Chuck and ask that question, because I still don't <laughs> know about that. But um, uh, I wrote this song. I was, I was in college still. Um, and I had a roommate named Paige Blanton, super cool guy. He lived down in uh, Pleasanton, Texas, south of San Antonio. And um, we loved being from Texas. It was like, I don't know. It's like there's there's a group of people out there that, like like me, that just feel like we are the luckiest people that we were born right where we were born. And um, I'm San Antonio born. So anyway, um, we, we started thinking about just a list of things that we liked about Texas. And, you know, we remembered a fishing trip down to Copano Bay. We remembered this and that. And, uh, you know, finding an old you know, stop and go burrito that was, had been under your seat for, that literally happened, had been under seat for, I don't know, a full weekend and it's still edible, you know, because <laughs> <You sure laughs> Well, I, I, I'm still here. So, uh, <laughs> we're happy that you are. Right. Right. I, I can't remember if a few days later I had a few uh, moments, but, um, anyway, uh, so we just wrote that song. It just came out really, really naturally. Um, and it, it man, we played it. Everywhere, all the time. And I guess, um, you know, Chuck somehow heard it and decided that that was what we were going to listen to at the end of the game. But I, I've been to, like, I got to sing the National Anthem one time, um, and it, it played that night, so that was a long time ago. It was, like, what? 1998
0: or 99. So that was, the, that was when it started?
3: Yeah, I think back then,
0: Okay, about then. And did you... You knew before. But I don't know
3: if it was that time, if it had become the thing where they just played after the home win. I think they were just, it might have just played it. Okay, uh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, but I don't know when that, I don't know the date when that happened, but I I sure have been here a lot when it's going on. So,
0: do they, I mean, was that, I mean, I I can't imagine you would fight this but they have to ask for permission or was it like you showed up and and all of a sudden they started playing like you were aware when they started doing it right
3: yeah of course Um, but I'd do anything for the Rangers man. it's like man you want to be a ball boy a bat boy excuse (laughs) me I'll I'll be 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 the bat boy please Uh, make that happen I mean can you imagine me running around in tights down there tighty whities that'd be awesome come on form fitting like a little too tight you know (laughs) your name on the back right? a little too small hat right (laughs) like it was of the actual kids that used to wear it, you know, and just kind of, oh, that would be, it would be like one of those Will Ferrell moments. That's awesome.
2: What do you remember about the first time I Like Texas was played after a Rangers win? Do you remember when it was? Do you remember what? The no, I don't.
3: Were? It's been happening for so long, but I can tell you my favorite time was during that uh, that ALCS game in 2010. And I, I, I was watching on TV, and I was, and of course, you know, I was like, oh. It's gonna happen yes it happened <laughs> you know like you can hear it right and it's it's different in the new ballpark um uh, it's harder to hear on television than at, at at um the ballpark at arlington and you know globe life one
0: <laughs>
3: gl1 <laughs> gl1 uh yeah it was easier to hear on television there but um either way it's yeah it's it's thrilling uh, hannah it's like I'm not. I'm not kidding. I feel like a little boy every time I hear that, and it gives me such a well up of pride and and team spirit.
2: Well, it is a great song. Does it ever get old hearing it after Rangers win? I mean, do people look at you when you're here at the ballpark and do they expect you to sing it? Or what is that like for you?
3: No, I I think I've gotten so old. I don't think anybody recognizes me at all. (laughs) They're just like, who's the old guy singing this song? Um, Anyway, yeah, I, I I don't know. It's been a part of my life. Range has been a part of my life since I was little. So it's like, I, uh, I mean, I'll sing it for him. I don't do the national anthem anymore. Um, I, after the, I've only done it twice in my life, right? So the first time I ever did it was at GL one, <laughs> and it was an Ori against the Orioles. You know. And I nailed it. I did, but I was so nervous. I looked up at the jumbotron, or they had this giant. My head was like (laughs) twenty-five feet wide, and I could see my left eye just—it was twitching on this jumbotron. And I could see it. I was like, "Oh, now I can see it. Oh, it's me!" You know. So I'm so nervous, right? Uh, It's a very nerve-wracking song to sing. You're all by yourself, and you're—you know—you're stretching your pipes out as far as they'll go. The next time I sang it was at a Baylor women's basketball game. Remember when they were like, first became like the big deal? Yeah. That, was Hulky, the, yeah, yeah, that was the only thing Baylor could hang their hat on was the women's basketball team. I was like, yes, I'll come sing for you guys. And I totally dropped it. Like, uh, nightmare dropped, like total freeze, vapor lock. Don't know the next word, look up, and there's this little old veteran standing there with his veteran hat over his heart, and he just sinks his head down and shakes it with his eyes closed. And I was, Brutal. At, I knew at that moment that I would never, ever <laughs> sing that song again because here's what happens. If you nail it at the ballpark, GL1, it sounds like, you know, smattering of a pause. Play ball. If you mess it up, it gets 2 million views on oh. YouTube. I'm just saying, there's the, the upside is not very big,
0: but people can still look at Carl Lewis and it was a Christina Aguilera yeah, at the Super Bowl. Yeah, there's I quite mean, a there's few. Some, Yeah, I don't, I don't know that I've ever that 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 Baylor one. I don't think has surfaced. No, I, think I never did. did. I that really was, think good. that
2: yeah. Ferrie at the 2018 NBA All Star Game probably was a lot worse than whatever you did. Is that when she like, not, made up the
0: words. I was there. It was really yeah. Oh my god, that's fantastic! Yeah. Really I'm
3: glad you were there to see that. Yeah. <laughs> people love it when they see other people fail.
0: I, I'm amazed at. Like I have no musical ability whatsoever. I love music. But like when I see musicians perform and I know it's their songs and and you know, I guess, you know, they'll they'll work in covers as well. But like sure. I mean quickly, how, how many songs would you guess you have written and performed? Not like like just a, individual songs, not like
3: I'm probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 7 or 800 songs. Okay, in.
0: and how do you, like I never understand and maybe their tricks were like you know, you let the crowd sing because... But how do you remember all the words to these don't. songs? You're
3: just a person. That's the thing you have to really accept is that you're going to get up there and you're going to make mistakes every night. And Because I change up my set list most nights. Like, you know, this goes here, that goes there. So I, I tell people it's like, imagine giving an hour and a half long speech for a living and then every night you change around the order of the paragraphs. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. So... You're going to make mistakes, and the thing is, is you know, if the people are there that really want to count those mistakes, we'll count them and tell you later, or, you must be drunk, you know. I'm just like, man, if you come to five shows in a row, I'm going to mess up five or six different songs. I guarantee it. You just because you get – when you're doing it, when you're in the motions, you know, it just – sometimes you train of thought because it is so memory. It's just – it's – it just comes out, right? And I don't care how hard you close your eyes; those words aren't on the back of your eyelids. <laughs> so you you can't make it appear. You, you just have to kind of relax. And sometimes, if you go, if you relax a little too far, then you're and you lose your train of thought. You're like, oh, "Am I in the second verse, third verse?" And then sometimes you say, so you sing the second verse again.
0: <laughs> all right, hope so you like it. That's, then, like, yeah, that's a really great verse. Yeah, they love it. They just think it's all part of the plan. I, yeah. I love hearing you say that because I. You know, I, I've had the pleasure now for eight years of broadcasting with Eric Nadell. Yeah, and, fantastic. And met Eric when I was in high school and, or maybe it was college, whatever the case, one of the first things he said was he loves when he listens to a broadcaster mess up, not because people love failure, yeah. because it humanizes a them. An e break. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it yeah. Is. But like, it not, and, and, and not even like in that significant oh, yeah. way, just like, you know, stumbling over a word because it, it, it makes him feel like he's not listening to a robot. You're listening right. to a human being. And it, it gave me permission <laughs> to, not be, like, it, to not be perfect. And hearing you say that's really cool from, you know, obviously it's a different arena and the musical side of things. But I, I just, that's something that has always stuck with me, that it, not that he roots for people to mess up, but it's, it's not a sure. bad thing. It's funny. Yeah.
3: For people. You know, that's, that's why bathroom jokes are still funny. I mean, so I was playing at Larry Joe Taylor's, the Larry Joe Taylor Fest. It's this big deal out in Stevenville, like tens of thousands of people. It's huge. Anyway, uh, it was like, I don't know, 10 years ago. And I had broken a string and for some reason I couldn't there was my guitars just weren't they usually just appear there's a guy who just kind of walks out with another guitar and i and i didn't he wasn't around so i just walked over to the to the guitar stack that's there and larry joe taylor's guitar is right there so i just grabbed it i'm like hey whatever he won't mind put it on start playing and then i realized that on the the his guitar strap it says larry joe taylor right down the side i was like oh that's pretty cool and i told the crowd i go look everybody i got larry joe strap on <laughs> 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 and it, you know at that moment and then at, at this i mean i look around and everybody in the band is just looking at me like
0: what did you what? Say? what's wrong with you <laughs> anyway so that, yeah
3: that's it, it is humanizing for sure
0: all right early on in your your musical career what were the areas of growth what, when you i mean you type about college when you're playing mm-hmm. your first shows what are the things when you look back and say man i I, I needed to get better, or I needed to grow in, in these ways to become what I eventually have become.
3: I went to see Joe Ely do a show on Buddy Holly Avenue. They closed down the street and had a big street party and uh, big stage, you know, you've seen him before. Um, and I realized at that moment, and I had been playing for a while at that time, I realized at that moment that um, my activity on stage needed to get a lot better. Like, he really does engage with the crowd in different ways. He doesn't necessarily run around. Like, you go to a Keith Urban show, he's going to side to side on the, on the stage many times, right? Um, but but Joe did it right there within about a, I don't know, about a 10-foot square. And just, I mean, the way he moved and, and you know, I, he wasn't playing electric guitar. He was playing acoustic guitar. So it was my kind of comfort level, right? But he played an acoustic guitar like somebody would be, you know, Eddie Van Halen in it, right? <laughs> and he just and he banged it out and he made it look so much fun. So that was a moment for me. Um, uh, I went to see Todd Snyder one time um, and he's a, you know, folk artist. And he, you know, the way he told stories, the setup, I realized that he had not only told that story many times, but he told it exactly that way many times. Because you really do... When you're an entertainer, you don't want that dead space when you're like, and it was like, um, well, let me think what it was like. Um, uh, you don't want that dead space, right? And so uh, you could tell that he was, he had polished that part of his show and it, and it made it, made it that much better.
2: You just mentioned that you came to a Rangers game towards the end of April for Casey Donahue's yep. birthday. Wade Bowen was there, it was a huge Texas yep. country music party. How would you describe the fraternity of Texas country musicians
3: Oh, that's great um for the most part, everybody loves everybody it is um, you know there's you know obviously I'm sure there's some squibble scribbles going on out there somewhere, but I, you don't hear about it I don't ever hear about it I'll put it that way I think I'm the oldest of the bunch and um uh, I mean, I've seen it all, but um, that's so cool. I've never seen it. Yeah, we're close. We we really want everybody to do well. You know, we want everybody to get their piece of the pie, and I think that's a that's a great attitude to have. Um, I think that's probably the same way it is on a baseball team. It's like you know, you're happy with what you got because you know you're part of something bigger than yourself.
2: And you're all Rangers fans too.
3: No doubt about it.
2: Cherry on top. Who, oh, who's man. Got the, the
3: Randy came back for another couple games after that? I, you know, I was like looking on TV and I see Randy's, you know, they're going you know, to they just pass through him. But anyway. I
0: So I, I've interacted with Casey. We'll text and He's got some wacky Rangers opinions. Uh, who's yeah. got the, I mean, he, like, if it was up to Casey, he would trade everyone, cut everyone, and sign everyone but all Casey's within like three weeks. The
3: dude, Casey lives on a farm and, <laughs> and doesn't get in town much. Uh, <laughs> our kids go to school together. Um, so I've known their family. Our families are really close and anyway, they're, they're wonderful people. And, but yes, Casey, but it's not just Rangers. You, you oh, can it's talk them yeah, stars. You yeah. can talk about Mavericks. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I love when Casey gets on a soapbox. It's kind of funny.
0: Yeah. It's uh, can, can lead to some long text messages. Right that's on. for sure. Uh, you, you mentioned guitar earlier. I, I'm curious, you know, baseball players are very picky, whether it's the glove, the bat, you right. know, the make the, all the specifics, how, how picky are you with your your guitar? Have you changed? Are you, like, brand loyal? Have you changed over the years? Like, what's the evolution of I've
3: that? I've always played Gibsons uh, all my, my entire career, um, and I'm about to um, make a change. But um, uh, not, not, uh, not that I won't play Gibsons. I'm, I'm not sponsored by them anymore, so I don't get them for free, which is, <laughs> you know, that's not the, the real reason, but... Um, uh you know I met a guy from Denton who makes guitars locally and they're really really fun guitars to play they're they sound great and I picked out my own wood and um, so uh, I'm excited coming soon I should say I mean so it takes a long time to, to bend wood and, and keep it in place and then glue it all together and all that stuff so it will be another year before you see it but um, when I do you're gonna, you're going to know because they're
0: cool-looking guitars. You heard it here first. I know. We're
2: excited to see. Well, Pat just answered our questions. Now it's time for him to answer yours with some fan submissions coming up after the break. Try the new Spicy Honey Butter Chicken Biscuit only at Whataburger. Kick breakfast up a notch with Whataburger's all-new Spicy Honey Butter Chicken Biscuit.
0: All right, back here with Pat Green, Straight Up Texas podcast presented by Whataburger, episode three. And, Pat, one thing we've asked everyone and and will continue to ask uh, is for a a rival or a competitor. And obviously in your field that might be applied differently with whom you don't maybe have a relationship. uh, You you don't have like an existing friendship, but you just really respect and and appreciate what they do.
3: Man, I I, I thought about it and I, I I mean, in the music business, you're right. It's not really a rivalry. Um, I mean, you can think of things as a competition, but for the most part, we're all just kind of in the same business. Right. But, um, Jerry, well, Jerry Jeff Walker introduced me to Jimmy Buffett. And I was going to say Jimmy Buffett is the guy that I wish I was a little closer to because he is the master of marketing and and making uh, a brand that is, you know, it's tenable to everybody. There's not a single soul out there who can't understand a little bit of boat drink, beach music, you know, everybody gets that. And so um, my brand was always Texas. Right. I was like, if I can get. So, back when I started, um, like 30% of all the country music purchased in the US was in Texas. So, I figured if I got Texas, then sooner or later the rest of it would catch up. Right. Um, but that's what Jimmy did. And I've, you know, I've hung out with him twice now. Um, and he is super nice. Just. You know, he's not what you expect, you know, and he's, he's not serious. He's not, you know, he's just, he's, you know, he's just this laid back dude. And, you know, I go down to Key West a lot. Um, There's a big, Mile Zero Fest is a big fun festival down there that I like to go to. And, um, and I mean, he's everywhere, right? And he has this little studio that you wouldn't even know it. It's like you're walking past a, like an 18 wheeler that they knocked the wheels off and it's i mean but you know that's where he records all his music and you know he and Mac McAnally write all these great songs in there and I'm just like oh I want to go in so bad you know but um, yeah he's one of the, he's kind of the uh, the wizard behind the curtain for me
2: would there ever be a Margaritaville and Wave on Wave mashup?
3: See, I think there should.
2: I think there totally should be.
3: I, don't, I just don't have his number, do you? I don't. <laughs> okay.
0: unfortunately. But I don't if someone it. can get it, it would be her. I right, I bet. Yeah. I,
3: like I said, you'll get away with just about anything.
2: Challenge accepted. Right. Um, we have some exciting fan submissions from you. So I'll start off with our Instagram viewers. This is from Ian. Pat, did you play baseball as a kid?
3: I did. Uh, started as a little leaguer. Played for Polar Bear Ashburn's Ice Cream was my first oh, little league it. team. I could. Re- I, I swear. Yeah. I wish I could find that jersey. I would put it on for you just for the laugh of how tight it would be. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I was the kid uh, early on in. Ba- I just loved baseball. Anyway, uh, I was the kid or the coach would tell me to lean in a little because <laughs> I wasn't going to hit it <laughs> <laughs> I to, the ball had to hit me I wasn't going to hit it and uh and you know trot down to first base crying you know snotty nose uh uh yeah um you know Waco Little League was um you know it was pretty intense Waco Tribune Herald I remember had always the, the big paper in town always had the best team and we never never got to beat them but um uh, and then you know, I took a little break. In junior high, I started playing tennis um, because I could stay there all day long during the summertime and just be a rat, you know. Um, but I, I got bored of tennis because you play by yourself, and it's not, it's not. I like playing with the team. Um, so my freshman year in, in high school, I played. All three, I played. I started all all four years as the catcher. Nice. What yeah. was your
2: favorite team you played on?
3: the uh well vanguard vikings baby i mean all the way I mean, you know <laughs> that's where i got my letter You know, learned how to spit to chow uh ed, ed nipper was the greatest coach that's that was that was the highlight for me speed around him um just such a cool baseball mind he also taught physics which you know and the baseball players usually got a little bit of a preferred <laughs> you,
0: you just demonstrated the physics on the field that was like extracurricular right, right. the, the it, physics was, yeah, yeah i'm yeah. I,
3: yes it's you know the ball's coming this fast how fast is going to leave yeah there you go yeah did,
0: did you play with or against anyone who ended up being someone no- Saucedo,
3: i think got into the bigs um he was the pitcher for uh, oh god what was it um like oh god uh no i'm trying to think about the high school team Anyway, can't
0: remember. Okay, but not on your t- yeah, Anyway,
3: so I t- – Better. Oh. Oh, oh, mom. That's <laughs> all right. I hope man. that has you on stage. Yeah, never. I feel like yeah. we
2: have to make you a bat boy at some point this season I just so we can to. all come full circle.
3: Well, I took Bear Saucedo for a three-run dinger right over the middle of Mission Field right Waco, Texas. That? Had a huge green monster wall. And, you know, that was – uh, it was great. I, that was – I almost hit the cycle that day, right? I missed it by a single <laughs> – but uh yeah i took i I took barry yard and i I don't know if he ever got into the majors he probably i know he got into at least double a so um pretty impressive i was very happy and he was taunting me as i ran down the third baseline he was like open your eyes i was like whatever it's over the fence
2: all right our next fan submission from instagram is from major he wants to know what is your favorite song you've produced
3: Carry On, I will say Till the Day I Die, is my favorite song to sing. Um, so produced, yeah. I, I'm not much of a record producer. I, I, I know how to write a song, and I know how to sing it. But um, but as far as the – that's my favorite song. Uh, Wave on Wave certainly has paid the bills. And then the nostalgia around I Like Texas, or, you know, those those are the songs that still stick out in my head.
2: Well, speaking of Wave on Wave, Walker wants to know, this is one of my favorite questions of the day, how come Wave on Wave isn't the national signal for doing the Wave at a baseball
3: game? Oh, that's a fantastic call. Um, I, I couldn't agree with him more, but, uh, yeah, uh, fantastic. I love that it still plays. Um, wave on Wave plays uh, at every home game at uh, for the Hawkeyes. Um, for their football team, they wave at the at, um, at Kinnick Field. They wave at the, the Children's Hospital that's right next door, adjacent. That's awesome. Um, and it plays uh, during the seventh inning at uh, for the Washington Nationals.
0: Oh, how about that? Very cool. I had oh, no yeah. idea. Yeah. That's great. You're all over the place. They wave for the veterans. Oh, okay, they, that's that makes really sense. Cool. Yeah. Uh, all right. I got a couple of Twitter questions. All uh, right. One come on. From, Twitter me. from Chev. He wants to know what your favorite venue uh, to play at in DFW is. Mm,
3: good question. Um, Billy Bob's is, is, you know, has a lot of, uh, you know, old time feelings, man. And it still smells like a honky talk, man. I ain't kidding. <laughs> oh, it has a th- it, it definitely has a presence on the nose. But, um uh what's the you know that all it was nokia theater for a long time i don't know it's in grand prairie the grand prairie theater okay um, and yeah honestly if, if you're looking for a good listening room that is the that's probably the best listening room uh Equis, uh is holds my favorite memories is playing those monster monster crowds um but my favorite what is my absolute favorite I don't know. Maybe it's my place, the Rustic.
1: That
0: that makes sense. (laughs) I was waiting for you to mention it.
3: That's a shameless plug. Okay. I don't
0: know. I think it's a very appropriate plug. Right. Yeah. And it's Uh, a great place. It's an awesome place. All right. And then we've got another question. This is from Chelly. What Texas country music artist do you most enjoy touring with?
3: That's great. Um, Back in the day, I got to tour with Jerry Jeff a lot. And uh, God rest his soul. He was... I don't know, he just took me under his wing, and, he, and it was all, it was straightforward, there was no BS, it was, you know, he was really, was, he told me a lot about the business, and I listened a lot, and uh, followed in his footsteps, and here I am. I would say he's, he has a lot to do with me
0: being here. All right, now speaking of touring, uh, and just performing in general, what, what, what do people need to know about what's coming up for Pat Green?
3: Um, big show coming up. We're doing July 8th at Dos Equis with Parker McCollum. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, and then of course, you know, patgreen.com and all those other places and my, you know, all my socials, you can find out what's, what's coming up. I think we have a. Uh, I know we have rustic coming up sometime this year. Um, I think lava cantina, maybe once this year, uh, we've already done our Billy Bob show, so we won't be back there till, um, January but um anyway yeah it, we're playing we play here I don't know I, I think two or three more times before the end of the year
2: I gotta ask you the hardest hitting question of the oh, day oh please and since this is the straight up Texas podcast presented by Whataburger what is Pat Green's oh. go to Whataburger order
3: number five mayonnaise lettuce onions side cream gravy simple iced tea wow.
2: simple love it
3: yeah It's, I mean, it's every time it really is. (laughs) Like, do you, now, my wife doesn't ask me if she's going to Whataburger, you know, for the family, she just picks it up and brings it home. I
0: need it. I need it. Emily needs to. But we are, we are a Whataburger family
3: for sure. Right. Like, uh, like we, we have the ranch, we have the mayonnaise, we have the ketchup in our house. Uh, I I wear Whataburger socks. They're my favorite because they're orange stripy socks, and they are kind of clashy with just about anything. And <laughs> it's a statement sock.
0: It's a statement sock. Okay. Which Han asked this to Steve Bouchelle last week, so we're asking. Oh, sweet. Ooh, yeah, ooh, yeah, ah. yeah. There, there you go. Like, that's
3: my favorite memory: is having a ball almost hit me in the head that he hit. <laughs> yeah. And then chanting, "Great!" Ooh, yeah.
0: ooh, good. Oh my God! Fa- uh, spicy. Ketchup, wait, wait, like which is your ketchup? Oh, uh, regular.
3: I'm a regular ketchup. Okay. Yeah. And then, Fancy, but yeah. yeah, and then I put pepper on top.
0: Wow, like oh, a, like a full crust before. of
3: pepper, like you would on a, on a nice brisket.
0: Oh, okay.
3: Yeah. Huh. I'm I I making my spicy on my own. Yeah, I need to try. I'm that. sweet enough. <laughs>
0: Well, Pat, we uh, we really appreciate it. This has been awesome. I I was telling Hannah, I feel like I'm the last person involved with the Rangers to finally get to meet you. Oh, wow! Uh, and so I'm. I'm. It, it's been great talking to you. Uh, you know, we we always love hearing your songs. That means that uh, the Rangers have won. But it's such a, a big part of Rangers baseball. You've been such a big part of Rangers baseball here as we uh, celebrate 50 years. And uh, thanks so much for being a part of the Straight of the years. Texas podcast.
3: They all are as old as I am. Yeah. I just turned 50. Well,
0: happy birthday. Right.
3: Yeah. I was, we were born on the same time.
0: You are the Texas Rangers.
3: I don't know if I could say that, but uh, there's a couple of guys in the big office upstairs that I might
0: <laughs> – right, you have a different opinion. <laughs> well, Pat, we appreciate it. Uh, for Tim Johnson and Hannah Wing, for our special guest, Pat Green, for Micah Parsons for joining us earlier Uh Jared Sandler signing off. Thank you so much, Pat. This has been a lot of fun. Thanks for joining us on the Straight of Texas podcast presented by Whataburger.
2: And now we're going to have Pat take us out with the songs. Thanks
3: for Heavy on the Air. And that's why I like Texas. Ain't it fine here? I like to pick my guitar down to Luke and Bach and drink that Shiner beer. Yeah, and I like Texas. Man, it ain't no doubt. You just listen to me. Cause I know what I'm talking about.